You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. You can also find all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. And don't forget to give us a follow, me and Bryson on Twitter. It's at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore Rowan. Bryson, big day in football today. We both were at training camp. It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, man. I, uh, I'm i exhausted. It was a long day waking up at 4.30 and, and leaving and driving down to Spartanburg and making the trip back. But it was exciting. Got some good content while we were down there and uh, just excited to talk about it. Yeah, I'm ready to roll here. And just a little background. Let's, I mean, the big headline of the day was um, the injury to Keith Kirkwood. Let's make that clear, Keith Kirkwood. Um, So a little background, PJ Walker threw him a pass. Um, JT Ivey hit him up high in the neck shoulder area and Kirkwood went down. Matt Rule kicked Ivey off the field. Kirkwood was taken off on a stretcher into an ambulance, went to the hospital. He has since been cleared. Um, which is great news, but I, I be right after practice was cut from the team, you know, Matt rule, not messing around whatsoever. Just a shout out to Bryson. He had one hell of a video that went viral for us on our Twitter page, but Josh, I want to start with you. Do you agree or disagree with Matt rules decision to cut JT Ivy right off, right away, right off after the practice? Sure. Who's JT Ivy? Like, we know who Keith Kirkwood is. I, you can go through the entire deal and say, oh, he's this undrafted player out of South Carolina and spell it all out. But I did a radio show today where I pronounced him JT eBay. And then my producer went for pronunciations at four or five different places. And guess what? People say eBay. People say Ivy. No one even knows how to pronounce the guy's damn name. So do I care if JT Ivy or eBay or whatever's no longer on the team? No, Matt Rule, was it the dirtiest of hits? You can you can probably judge that, Bryson and, and Curtis, better than I could because you were there. It didn't look terrible when I watched the video. Maybe Matt was trying to send a point. I don't know what message he was trying to send, but when you were watching it, did you get this? Did you get the immediate sense that it was this egregious, uh, egregious hit that you would expect from Vontez Perfect? I yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't uh, off the bat. I mean, I, I was uh, at first, I, I didn't know he was injured. Um, I didn't know Keith Kirkwood was injured. And I, and I said he should have caught it. And then I, I realized he had gotten hurt on the play. And uh, and then I, you know, I, I took my statement back. But but yeah, I mean, it, it, it even in the video, um, it looked like it was a leg injury because there was another player. Um, I, I'm not sure what player it was, but that rolled up on his legs when he went to the ground. So we, as fans, we didn't even know that it was a head injury when it happened. So let me, let me ask you this too. I'm sorry. You guys are the, this is your podcast. You're asking the questions, but I'm genuinely curious. Yeah. go ahead. I, I can't curse on my radio show. People said Matt rule cursed. Oh what yeah. Did Matt yes. rule, could you hear Matt rule? After yes. That? What Everybody he heard Matt rule. Everyone what did he heard. Say? Yeah. He said, get your shit and get off the field. Whoa. Yeah. See, yeah. Now that's that's the side of Matt Rule Josh Graham don't see. Yeah. We don't see that side <laughs> of Matt Rule that often. 
He was very respect- loud at practice. Yeah, Matt Matt Rule did he did not mince words and it was in it was instant too. I yeah. mean it was like 2 3 seconds after it happened cuz I don't know if uh, Ivy was, you know, he kind of stood over him a little bit. You could see that in our video and I don't know if he was checking him out or what was going on there, but I mean it was instant and Bry- Bryson mentioned it too is when it first happened, we, I, I, I didn't know he was down initially. And then I, and then we're like, Whoa, like someone's down on the field, someone's injured. Um, but again, like you said, who is this guy? You, you know, he's, he's some, he, he came in undrafted out of South Carolina and we were talking about this in the car ride home. Um, and, and fans that are don't agree with Matt rule cutting him. What would you feel the same way if it was DJ Moore that was down or, Robbie Anderson, would you feel the same way? Well, it's Keith Kirkwood. I've heard that argument, but it's like, I mean. Find me a JTIB jersey. Yeah. And <laughs> then you have the right to get mad about JTI. If you knew who JTIB was before today, then you have a right to get mad. I covered the team. Maybe I should know who JTIB is, but I'll be honest. I'm not the guy who's going to front. I didn't know. I had no idea who JTIB is going into today. I knew who Keith Kirkwood was, and I knew there's that Temple connection. There was maybe some Papa Bear stuff from Matt Rule going on. But, uh, man, we'll see when it gets back in there because, you know, you look at maybe some of the ripple effects of this. Keith Kirkwood is competing for the fifth wide receiver spot. We know Joe Brady likes to spread it out, maybe put five wide on the field at, the time, at a time. Uh, it's Keith Kirkwood. It's Brandon Zilstra, it's uh, Shai Smith, and it's Omar Bayless. Two out of those four guys, I'd venture to say, are going to be on this football team. If Keith, Kirk, if Keith Kirkwood, I like the fact that he's clear, we all love to see that. Doesn't mean you're exactly going to be right back on the football field immediately the next day or the day after that. How is he going to respond? Is he going to be able to compete? Is he going to be the fifth wide receiver? Because that's a pretty tight position group race. Yeah, that that wide receiver group is loaded. And I just want to introduce Josh Graham. I'm sorry, I forgot to bring this up before, but we got Josh Graham here, afternoon host for WSJS Sports. It's good to have you on, Josh. And digging more into this a little bit, I just want to go back to the fans that are, you know, they you have the you have the fans that are the traditional, this is a hard nose hit, is a bang bang play. Why not, you know, why not give JT another chance? Or what what do you what do we say to those people? Well, I'd say that different rules apply to different levels of player, right? You know, it's something that gets talked about quite a bit in the media and I guess in culture is this idea of cancel culture, right? That people talk about, right? It's not directly related to this, but making the analogy here, like I can't say things on my radio show and get away with it that Chuck Barkley can say on TNT, mm-hmm. right? Like Charles mm-hmm. Barkley brings value to TNT that's a lot greater than the PA working on the show that might get two minutes of airtime, right? The point being, there are different tiers where you stand in the group. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a better analogy would have been the departed when, you know, Leo DiCaprio is being pinned to a wall being told by Mr. French, there's guys you can hit and there's guys that you can't hit. Keith Kirkwood, he's almost a guy that you can't hit, but I guess it turns out today, if you're 
JT Ivy, Keith Kirkwood's a guy you can't hit that type of way. That's a valid point. Yeah, I think uh, I know it, people have said too, you know, well, if this was JC Horn, they wouldn't have done it. Well, of course, he's a first round pick. I mean, this guy's undrafted. He's on the, I mean, he's on the fence of even making this roster, let alone, I mean, I'm, he might have made a practice squad spot, and that's a might. So, like, this is Bryson, let's get your take on this here. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same way as you guys. I'm, uh, I, I think it was more of a Matt Rule made the cut to make a point. Um, he's still, I mean, this is his first training camp. He didn't have a training camp last year. Uh, he seems to be in just a lately, just kind of a bad mood, um, with things, with, uh, interviews. That or that, I'm so glad you bring that up. Isn't that related Bryson? Like when you bat rule yesterday, the defense has a great day, but the first thing that he points out is yeah, JC's holding a little bit, you know, like they're, you know, we're sloppy. They might get called for these types of things. It almost seems like Matt rule saw an opportunity to say, this stuff will get penalized in in the in, in games if you do this. If you hold, if you do this, sending a message to the rest of the group. And here is poor J, JT Ivy, who's the person that's probably going to be made an example of in the most drastic of measures. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are related. And, um, and like I said, yeah, I think it was to make a point um, for him to just, uh, you know, just say i'm i'm the leader i'm making decisions do what i say don't take them to the ground we're this is our first day in pads we're you know we're getting back into things um there's there's no, really no reason for jt ib to be in that position going towards keith Kirkwood anyways i mean he was getting tackled from behind but i understand it's a bang bang play uh but i i feel like it was totally unnecessary when we were there um i didn't think he had ill intent i didn't think he meant to necessarily hurt Keith Keith Kirkwood but he put himself in that position to to do that so I I think that it while it could have been a, a, a learning uh, a learning thing for JT Ivy maybe um, like we've said before he's he's lower on the totem pole on the team um, Matt Rule still trying to maybe take control of this team I, I don't think he's necessarily not doesn't have control of the locker room or anything but he's still learning as a head coach and, and I, I believe it was just to make a point in the locker room. Yeah, I, I like the way, Matt. I, I've liked the way these last couple of days, and we'll be talking about this shortly, but you go from Saturday, Matt Rule's comments, and then today making a you know a point and calling out JC yesterday. I, I love that. I Matt Rule setting the tone for this team and taking command, and that's good to see. And like Bryson was saying, JT didn't come in today and said, I'm going to go out there and lay out Keith Kirkwood. I don't think that was his intention at all. Um, He was just, you know, the, he was part of the chopping block of Matt rules statement today is Mm -hmm. we're not going to mess around. You guys are going to follow my rules and we're going to run practices the way I want them run. And if you're going to break them and you're a guy on the cusp of not making this team, see you later. And that's just, that's just how he rolled today. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Josh, what, what was your opinion on uh, Matt rules comments from Saturday? Kind of like, what, what we had mentioned before of, of him kind of being in a bad mood. And um, do you think it's like a, a combination of maybe the lack of Sam Darnold's progress or the lack of the way the offense is functioning? Um, what, what do you take from uh, Matt rules, I guess, attitude the past couple of days? Specific. Are you talking specifically talking about they're not playing the way they normally do in front of fans? What yes. comment are you specifically? Yes. About? Yeah, he said, specifically. yeah, he said, yeah, he said they're getting a little amped up. Yeah, why? Of course, of course, across sports, 
we're going to see that this year. We didn't have fans all last year. Like, if we're going to narrow the scope, say, look at college football right before the NFL starts. I'm worried about the North Carolina Tar Heels going to Virginia Tech that first game if it's a packed lane stadium. They haven't seen that in how long. So it's human nature for the players to feel this way. And what Matt Rule said was in no way controversial unless you took it away, took it as him to say that, oh, he doesn't want players having fun or celebrating, which is not remotely what Matt Rule said there. That was Those were comments that I didn't understand why they were exactly that big of a deal, except when you put it through the lens of Twitter, where all the smallest things turn out to be the biggest deals. Yeah, and it, it just goes back to, you know, Matt Rule setting the tone. You have a young team. You don't want them in big games to make the stupid penalties when it comes down to the wire, make a late hit, that sort of thing. And that's kind of what this was a pre, it was a teaching moment for the team. And Fans need to get over it. it, it I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of this stuff on Twitter. It's it's just ridiculous. Matt Rule is going to be Matt Rule is going to run the team the way Matt Rule wants to run the team, and that's what's going to be. He's the guy getting paid and got a seven year contract and sixty million dollars. Let him coach. Let him run the team he wants to run, and, and give him a chance. Like people need to lay off with the. It just picking apart it's stupid shit it really is well we do have uh josh graham here afternoon host at wsjs sports josh let's get to sam darnold the big off-season acquisition there are fans on both sides of the aisle on this one so i just want we want to get your take so far from what you've seen in training camp what have you liked from sam darnold and what are you skeptical about or what don't you like so far there is nothing that I dislike that I've seen at training camp. My man was not wearing pads until today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold any opinions on the football stuff until we see him play, not in preseason, in regular season football games. I'm going to give the guy a month before I make any type of judgment, the same way I did with Teddy. I gave Teddy five or six one score losses before I started to think, huh, maybe these things are kind of related. I think Teddy, I think Sam Darnold's an upgrade over Teddy. He could push the ball down the field. He has a skill set that made him a top five pick. He was in the New York Jets building with a guy who looked like he was on acid every single press conference he did. That is so true. I Sam Darnold, I'm going to wait until we play regular season games. I'm not going to judge anything that happens at camp. I'm not going to really judge what happens in preseason games. I'm going to give the guy a month. And I think he is an upgrade over Teddy, but it is marginal. You look at the athletic. Mike Sando does those quarterback tiers and does a really good job with it. He has Teddy 26, Sam Darnold 24. And you might think, well, that's not even that big of a difference for what Carolina gave. And to that, I would say – Carolina lost eight of its 11 games last year by one score. The differences between winning and losing are often marginal. If you have a slight upgrade at the most important position in in the sport, that might be the difference between going six and 11 this year and going nine and eight. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. Now I I will say today at at camp, uh, just speaking from what, what we saw, uh, he did look better um, than 
the um, the bad day the offense had. Uh, what was it Friday or oh, Monday actually? Sorry, Monday. Um, and he he made some passes. Uh, one to Robbie um, on the sideline and one to DJ on the sideline. Um, showed some touch uh, on the ball that we weren't used to seeing with Teddy last year. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I thought he's, I, well, I think he's getting more comfortable in the offense. Obviously he's, you know, he's transitioning into a whole new playbook with Joe Brady and getting chemistry with his receivers still. And um, I, I think I, I can definitely see the upgrade over Teddy already, in my opinion, um, just the way he conducts himself at the quarterback position in general. But uh I think overall um, he, he's making progress, which is what you want to see, obviously, at, at the quarterback position. And um, we'll get through um, training camp. We'll get through preseason. And then, obviously, the real test starts with the first game uh, against his former team in the Jets. And uh, I'm excited for it. Buckle up. Yeah, I th- I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Josh. It's got to give him some time. And he's done, he hasn't done anything right now to – Although if you do go on Twitter, I'm sure he's done a whole hell of a lot, according to those folks. But no, I think it's, he was seven for him- sixteen on second down throws and training camp in shorts. Curtis Bryson, what are we doing? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But no, I think yeah. so far you just got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, would I like him to stretch the field a little bit more in some of these practices that I've been to, of course, but you know, that comes, there's a lot of variables with some of those things. So I'm, I'm going to wait and be reserved and be patient, but uh, be patient, but with a short leash as well. I think, I think that not that week one game versus the Jets is going to be a pretty big moment for him. I get it. He's it's a new system for him, but that is a redemption game and that guy better show up. That's all I got to say about that. But yeah, I think Bryson, I think you had some questions. I know we don't have Josh for, for that long. Again, we got Josh Graham here, sports hub triad, WSJS sports, Josh. I love listening to you on the way home from work. I just wanted to give you a little Thanks, shout man. out there. I appreciate, appreciate your, uh, <laughs> appreciate your job. Uh, Working with Sports Hub Triad, you do you do a three three six represent Bryson. Yes. What do you got for me? Yes, yes sir. Lay, uh, lay it out. Yeah, real quick. I know you got to go. Um, I'm a huge Hurricanes fan. I, uh, me and Curtis both are. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on the Hurricanes offseason so far and help me calm down because I'm getting nervous. I mean, what I would say is the Canes didn't make the playoffs for nine years, man. Nine long years. And then you get Dundon, you get uh, Don Waddell and Rod Brindamore running the show, and you go to the playoffs three straight years. Yet, along the way, Canes fans get a little spoiled. You know, I love John Forsley. I'm friends with John Forsley. Uh, Chuck Caton, love him as a play-by-play man. People were even complaining when they got rid of Hannafin. People complained about Hayden Flurry. All of these things. But guess what? The team won. And they went to the playoffs. And last year, they were really damn good. So, yeah, did we like Alex Nadelkovich? Sure. But does Rod Brindamore, Dom Waddell, and Tom Dundon know more about it than we do? Have they done enough to earn the benefit of the doubt? Absolutely, 100% yes. I said this on my show. I feel this way. If you're mad about the, 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 the uh, Tony D'Angelo decision, by all means, you could be upset. But if that's the thing you're most upset about, when it comes to your hockey team or whatever team you root for that they signed a guy who's controversial, 
you might have it pretty damn good. Carolina Hurricane fans, I get it. You don't like Tony D'Angelo. Maybe his politics, maybe the things he said in the past. But if that's the worst of your problems, odds are you got it pretty good as a sports fan. Thank you. Thank you for that. Does that make you <laughs> feel better at all? Yes, it, yes, it does. I, I think we still – Absolutely. Uh, I think we could still use some help on offense. A top six forward would, would definitely help uh, scoring in the playoffs, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll see. We still got time this off season. So Josh, you know, I got Carolina one. Panthers could use a left tackle. Oh yeah. Well, very true. We'll, very true. Tackle, very true. I mean. Josh, before yeah, you get yeah, going here, before you get yes. going here, I got, I got to make the wives happy for me and Bryce, my wife, Bryson's wife, who you got in the bachelorette finale. I know you, I know you oh! watch who you got is a winner. It's got, it's got to be Blake. It's, it's, I mean, my man got sent off last night and or he sent himself out last night. Greg was the front runner and he got too good of an edit. We knew it was going to turn. It's got to be Blake. Even though Blake fell in love with Claire and Tasia, like now he's going to just fall in love with the next girl that he sees. Oh man, give that relationship six months, but that's the dude. Because I don't Justin's know. parents even knew he was screwed. He, I don't he, know. He, his parents didn't even show up to the hometown date. Come on, Curtis. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know who the hell you're talking about, but we'll go with that. We'll go with Blake. Mike hey. Golick Jr. and I against the go. world in the sports media. <laughs> well, Josh, thank you Go-Jo. so much for coming on Panthers on Tap this evening. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh Graham Radio. You can listen to him every day, 3 to 7, on the drive with Josh Graham. Keep up the great work, Josh, and thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, guys. Get some sleep. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. Thank you, man. <laughs> All right. We want to thank Josh Graham again for coming onto the podcast. Uh, always great to have somebody local and somebody on our radio here in Winston-Salem. Um, great guest, and we hope to have him on again soon. Uh, Curtis, I wanted to continue with some of the questions that we had. Just me and you, a, a little friendly banter here. Do you have any concern with Shaq Thompson's injury and the depth or lack thereof at that position yeah it's a little worrisome um you know Shaq we were there today he was in the red jersey um so I don't know what exactly his injury is and how long he's going to be out I think Matt said he pulled something on what was it Saturday I think it was so yeah there's concern there you know Denzel Perriman he is the middle linebacker but that guy can't play a whole season here. He hasn't in the last couple of years. So that, you know, he's already injury prone the way it is. I'm praying he can stay healthy this year. And to make things worse, he's not vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. And then you, I mean, you have Luvu, I hope Frankie Luvu that they brought into, um, you know, Jermaine Carter's up in there. He had a nice, you know, almost near interception on Darnold today. But yeah. I think there's some concern there. Shaq, you know, I know you, you harped on Shaq last year, but I think, Without him back there last year, I think it'd even been more abysmal for this defense with Tyre Whitehead in in the middle there. So, yeah, I think Shaq is you know not only is his play you know I I think his play on the field is you know he's done a good job there, but he's also a leader in the locker room vocally too. So to lose a guy like that, you know would hurt. So I I'm hoping he comes back soon, but yeah, there, there's some concern there and it's clear what the Panthers are concerned. They, they, you know, some news today is they claim Nate Hall off waivers. That's another linebacker. Who? That's a second Nate Hall. Who? Nate Hall. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> but Nate Hall, yeah, he, they claimed him off waivers from the Texans. It's the second linebacker they've uh, signed in the last two days. So I yeah, clearly that, they think it's a concern. What what do you think? That makes me very nervous um, that they've all of a sudden became very interested in, in linebackers. Um, seems like bottom of the barrel linebackers. I, I mean, I don't know either of these guys they signed. Apparently the um, Celestin, the guy that they signed a couple of days ago, played with us before in 2019. Never heard of the guy in my life. Um, obviously he was a practice squad player, but I don't know. I think if they're serious, if they want help at, at linebacker, they really need to go take a look at somebody that has connections with our GM, Scott Fitterer, and that's KJ Wright. He's still a free agent. He he He's had great seasons uh, playing beside one of the best linebackers in the league in Bobby Wagner. Um, KJ Wright is, has been consistent throughout his career. Um, he would come in and be a veteran leader right away and, and, and be an upgrade over these Nate Halls and Jonathan Celestin and maybe even Jack Thompson, <laughs> if we're being honest. But, uh, but I, yeah, I think if they're serious and they are worried about Shaq Thompson and they think they have a chance to make playoffs this year, go for a guy like KJ Wright. You have the cap space right now. Um, I don't know. You man. know, and they might too. I think it's one of those things. I know we'd all love to see it right now, but I think they're waiting because I think there's, you know, they really want to figure out if this left tackle positions, they're going to need to reach out maybe somewhere and go out and get a guy. So maybe that's why they're not signing anyone at this point. They're trying to see if, you know, who's going to show out at left tackle or do they need to go out and maybe sign someone. KK's still out there. They might want to bring him back, um, you know, for D-line depth, even though that position is – they got they got a lot of guys there, which is nice. It's a strength for sure. Um, but maybe that's why they're not waiting. Maybe, maybe they're just being patient. But I think – you know, Panthers, they're like one of the top five teams with the uh, amount of cap space right now in the league. So if if it comes down to that where, you know, Shaq's out several weeks to start the season, maybe that's when you see Scott Fitterer, you know, pull into his Seattle bag that he's got and, you know, reach out to KJ, right? And maybe that's what they're waiting on is to see if, you know, this injury is more serious than what they thought. Could be a possibility. Yeah, I'm trying to find the Panthers' current cap space. Did you have that number? It's in the 20s. It's like 24 or 21 mil, something uh, like that. Uh, right here. Yeah, it's 24. It's 23,938. So, yeah, essentially 24 million. Yeah. Uh, which, I, I mean, that's a pretty substantial number, which I understand. Oh, yeah, they're up. I mean, they're again, yeah. they're they're one of the top teams with the and, most cap space right now. Yeah, so. and, and uh, Scott was talking, it, it, it's always good to have – cap space going into the season in case, you know, there's injuries and you got to bring somebody in and stuff like that. But I mean, there's injuries now and, and you really need to address that position. I believe if, if Shaq Thompson is in any danger of missing playing time and you have to rely on Jermaine Carter and Frankie Louvu, uh, you need to bring in some help. And, and I know we got Perriman as well, uh, but he has a very extensive history of, of getting hurt. He's not vaccinated, so he he's at a risk of getting COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm just worried about that position, and I think it's it's up there with uh, left tackle as as one of my most worried worrisome yeah. spots on the team. So, well, yeah, and you know, you'd like to. We all were gonna. We were all hoping to see Thompson and Perriman on the defense to start Week One. I really hope 
it's only Perriman. I mean, I really hope it's not just Perriman out there week one because that's that ain't good. And maybe that's where you I mean, that's where the things come in where you maybe if he would be out, you slide chin down. I mean, there's things they could do to, you know, mask that loss. But KJ Wright sitting out there, maybe they dabble with him. But I just want to go back before we get to our next, you know, our next discussion here is just I don't think we gave JTIB. um, We didn't we didn't I didn't I wanted to tell everyone about his statement. He put out a statement tonight, and I think it's only fair to let fans know about that if they haven't seen it already. But he had his agent put out a statement this afternoon. This is following his cut from the team. And he said, truthfully, I feel terrible for the play. I'm glad Keith is doing fine. But as a teammate, I'm supposed to protect my brothers during practice. And I didn't do that today. And I let the team and coaches down. He went on to say a lot more, but that's just from him. Again, I don't think it was intentional. It's just where he is on the chopping block and the type of hit he delivered. I mean, he did send Keith Kirkwood to the hospital on a stretcher. Yep. I think it was warranted to cut him, but I just wanted to go back to that. I wanted to make sure we had that on the air and we, you know, cause this, this has been the talker. This is all over uh, the video you, you shot today went viral for a reason. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it, <clears throat> Kyle Bailey had a fair point. We were listening to him on the way back. Uh, the treatment of, of players like JTIB compared to, I know people are saying, what if it was JC Horn? What if it was Jeremy Chin that hit that or made that hit on Keith Kirkwood? Um, the treatment doesn't have to be equal. It has to be fair. And that's the point that Kyle Bailey was making. It's a, a player of JC Horn status, a first round, the first defensive player taken in the NFL draft versus a guy who is, has a possibility of not even making your practice squad. Uh, it's just the way that it is. That's the way life is. I mean, players, players with higher standing in the organization, um, Jeremy Chen, they're going to have, they're going to have more leeway. They're not going to cut somebody like that. But when you have somebody like JT Ivey, who who makes a hit like this, which, which we've said, we don't think he had ill intent. He wasn't trying to hurt Keith Kirkwood. It just happened. It was, it was a bang, bang play. And it's unfortunate. But when you're, when you're that low on the totem pole and you do make a play like this in training camp, especially the first day in pads, and you have a new coach, he has to – I mean, he made it very easy for Matt Rule to mm-hmm. make that cut and um, to make an example of him. And yeah. I, I think the, the point of, of that cut from Matt Rule and Scott Federer serves more of a purpose than JTIB did on the Carolina Panthers, so – yeah, and the events on Saturday, I think, led to that, you know, the buildup of something was going to happen at some point with Matt Rule and these Absolutely. players. Well, let's stick to the defensive side of ball here. And this is just – it's its a broad question, and it's, it's making predictions. But do you think the Panthers can be a top-10 defense this year, Bryson? I, I do, absolutely. Um, I think that the Panthers' defense is very um, – what, they have a lot of potential going into the season. They have a very good young core on the defense. Brian Burns, Jeremy Chen, Derek Brown, J.C. Horn, the new addition, Dante Jackson, who's, I guess, taking a veteran uh, – excuse me, a, a veteran role in the secondary. 
but yeah, which I'm, is I'm, crazy to say. I know exactly, but <laughs> uh, I'm very excited for for this defense. Uh, I think that they have a possibility to be a top five defense in the NFL, not just oh whoa, whoa top and, five. Sound the alarm. Yeah, and Brian Burns has a very real possibility of being def- defensive player of the year if he can stay healthy throughout the whole season. He has even today we saw he was in the backfield like every freaking play almost. Just he is just so fast and has so much bend for that for a defensive end is ridiculous. It, it's just not fair, really. It's really not fair. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, to get back to your point, they can be a top-10 defense. Um, I think Phil Snow is, is a hell of a defensive coordinator. Um, he, he makes the uh, required adjustments in-game. Um, he, he schemes well. He runs an unorthodox defense overall, and I think it confuses a lot of uh, NFL teams. So I think, I think with all that combined, with the talent they have, if they stay healthy – maybe add another linebacker like we talked uh, about. Um, they could be top five, uh, definitely top 10. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that they can get to top 10. They added a plethora of guys on defense. And for crying out loud, they signed J.C. Horn and took him in the first pick of the draft after drafting seven guys on defense last year. You know, Hassan Reddick, they added they, Morgan Fox, um, another guy that I think is going to be um, kind of the under radar signing, Daquan Jones from the Titans. Oh, yeah. yeah, that I like guy I think is going to help out big with Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Gross Matos is. Uh, you you'd hope he's going to make a jump from last season, and yep. I mean that guy was a second round pick. He should mm-hmm. he should show up. So they Marquis got pieces, Haynes. man. Yeah, Marquis Haynes had four sacks last season. Uh, and then another guy that we haven't mentioned that they signed AJ Bouye. I know he's he's a little injured right now, and then he's out for the first two games. But he's going to be a, a very valuable part of that secondary once he comes back, I believe. Um, yeah, they definitely they definitely have the the right guys in there to make it happen. Five, I I don't know that might be stretching it. We'll see. I mean, who knows? I'm one thing you mentioned, Brian Burns. I'm really hoping the way he added this offseason is going to help him because we we watched a couple of games last year where he he beat his guy and then he just couldn't bring he couldn't bring the you know the quarterback down he would I don't know if he was coming up too high going after the ball but I feel like he he could have had it what do you have 10 sacks last year nine sacks he could have had probably two or three or four more sacks if he brought some of those home so hopefully again I think I think without a doubt, unless he gets injured, knock on wood, he's going to have a double sack season without a doubt this year. Like yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's in primed. He, I mean, this, he could have upwards of 15 or more. Absolutely. He, yeah. he really is that good. <laughs> yeah. And, and to add to your point about him, not, you know, finishing sacks, he had the most pressures in the league last year from a defensive end. And, and obviously we know his sack total. So if he, continues to get that many pressures and he works on his form tackling the quarterback, bringing the quarterback to the ground, then he's going to come away with more sacks. And it, it's very easy to see him having double digit sacks up towards 14, 15, 16 sacks and coming away with a defensive player of the year next year. So I'm excited. Yeah. And, and just, he did have, he had nine last year. He had nine sacks last year. So I, I think easily, especially with adding some other pieces to give him a little help, because a lot of those times he was on an island with some of those offensive line getting double and triple teamed yeah, at some yeah. points because no one else could bring pressure. So him adding 15 pounds of muscle, woo, 
and his yeah, he, brother, he his brother, you got the hype man. You got the hype man on your side. Like, come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he definitely looks bigger uh, at training camp um, from what we saw today. He is huge. And um, I mean, I'm just super excited. He's, he, he's just got me feeling some type of way about that defense. So. The only thing I think that would hold him back from winning defense player of the year. And it's sad to say this is the team he's on. I feel like, the Panthers, I thought Jeremy Chin got snubbed a little bit. I, I get it. Chase Young had a good year last year, but I thought Chin could have very well deserved the Rookie of the Year award as well. And I yeah. just, you know, sometimes you're on a team where they just, I mean, Panthers even get a freaking, you know, a Thursday or Sunday night or a Monday night football game this year, let alone. No, I mean, we, you we can see the respect the league gives them. So. Yeah. We did get a Thursday, but it's against the Houston Texans. So wow, that's the what? respect we got. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The but game we, they we added for us. We absolutely should have had a Sunday night or a Monday night game. Like, come on, give us some respect. The Saints have fifty thousand games. That you would James think God, at least the Cam Newton game would have been a Monday night. Or exactly, that's just it, and the Jets pitiful. redemption. You know, Sam Darnold. That's a key one. It's pitiful. Meanwhile, they'll watch some. We'll watch some bum on Monday night and stink it up, which yeah. is probably going to happen. But let's go. Let's go to this. Let's talk about positional groups here. And this is this is interesting. This what your opinion? What positional group is going to make or break the success or failure of this team? Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this question, and there's a couple of different ways that you can go here. Um. Obviously, left tackle. Yeah, there's there's a there's a few you can make pretty good arguments for. Yeah, left tackle is a huge need for this team and the most important position on the offensive line. If your left tackle isn't blocking, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback; they're not going to play very well. Um, I think, I think it's left tackle. I, I think I think the easy the easy thing to say here is quarterback, and if. You know, if, if Sam Darnold doesn't play well, then the team's not going to play well, which is true. Which I mean, if Sam Darnold doesn't play well, if he's another Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, we're, we're going to have the same record as we did last year, plus one more loss probably because, because mm-hmm. of the extra game. So, uh, I, but I think left tackle, because this team is constructed in, in a way to be successful, I think they have the, the right weapons around Sam Darnold with Christian McCaffrey coming back and then a, a very deep wide receiver group and a, and a decent tight end room, in my opinion. Um, I think if left tackle well, in, in the offensive line in general, since we're going to do position groups, um, if the offensive line can be decent, if they can be decent, then I think this team gets in, in a wild card position into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, if the offensive line is not decent, if the offensive line struggles throughout the year with injuries or just, just which is very likely. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they're just not good in general. It's going to be a rough season for us. Um, uh, Sam Darnold's not going to look good. The offense won't look good. The defense is going to be on the field more, and the defense might not look good. So I think I think it really – this season hinges on how well the offense can block the people in front of them. Yeah, I I hate to do this because I'm going to say the same thing, but I think it's the offensive line. It it all starts and runs through them. It That is going to dictate how Sam Darnold does. That's going to dictate how the defense does in the end because it's it's just it's just a trickle down effect of how this team is going to run and operate and perform on the field and Darnold I think 
whether he looks good now or whatever you want to make the case for this training camp, he's going to need time no matter what happens. He's learning a new system. You're one in a new system. He struggled these past three years and he's going to need time in the pocket to throw. And I think, yeah, left tackle is a need, but I, I feel like people sometimes forget Pat Elfline isn't a sold and secured left guard. Like this guy struggled the past two years and people, I think overshadow him a little bit like, Oh yeah, they're set at left guard. Pat Elfline's there. He played with Sam Darnold before he hasn't been very, he was terrible with the jets. He was awful. He was. He was very bad. And he played all right when he was – I think he was drafted by the Vikings. He played all right with them for his, what, one season maybe, but he's he has not been good. And then you and you put someone – you put Elfline next to someone or next to a patchwork left tackle, which I hope Irving proves all of us wrong, and I hope Irving is good. But that left side is that's, – that's Sam Darnold's blind side. Like that needs yeah. – and for for the Panthers, and we were talking about this today, we we see, you know, the Chargers tweeting out that Slater's looking really good on the left side right now. It goes back to the draft, man, that they passed on some of these guys. And I know they probably would have went Sewell if he was there, but oh, it pains you when the first lineman they took off the board was in the third round and they did all these trade backs. So, I mean, time will tell if they made the right decision and, you know, Matt Rule said today that, just so I'm not mi- mixing his words up here with Cam Irving, but he he said today that Cam Irving's done a nice job so far, which is promising. Uh, it, now, can that stay and can that be consistent and can he stay healthy? That's that a whole talk? other question. Or so. is that coach talk? He hasn't even – they had one day in pads. Like, yeah. Like – how how can you say and maybe that's just a boost yeah. of confidence to Irving to say hey you know so yeah that's that's a and, good point and, and we've talked about it before Moten did get some work today at training camp um at the, yeah like, that's at, something we're no we can talk about that a little um, bit and, and we've talked about it before like obviously Moten is one of the best right tackles in the league but if mm-hmm. Moten is your best option at left tackle and he played in his snaps today from what we saw he, he did well at left tackle but uh, same thing I said for Cameron first day in pads. You haven't seen that much work. You really don't know um, how he's going to perform in the game, but if Moten is your best option at left tackle and he's in, I mean, in my opinion, he's better than anybody we have on the offensive line. Yeah. Why not give him a shot at left tackle? Let him try it. If he sucks, guess what? We got some other people that suck. We can put in there and move him back to right tackle. I mean, it, it I don't understand this, this, this hesitancy for Panthers fans to, to just not want to move. I know Moten is great at right, right tackle, but right tackle is a lot easier to mask um, a bad player at that position than left tackle. And mm-hmm. as Panthers fans, we should know that. Yeah. Mo- Moten, if Moten could play decent at left tackle and kind of just take, take a little bit of worry out of Sam Donald's mind that he has a, a decent player at left tackle, it might make the world a difference. And I, I think it's worth a shot. Um, it, especially with the, with the group that we have right now. Um, I mean, in my opinion, I think Moten is the, mo- um, the most promising, uh, you know, person player that we have um, to start week one at left tackle. Yeah. I think personally, I think it's too early to tell if he's, if he's the best option there. I think it's a possibility, but I, I agree. I don't think 
as fans, you can close the door on that option. I think that's stupid. You, as a team, and I feel like this is how Matt Rule is playing it, you are going to put the best five out there no matter what the setup is. If that's Moten at left, if that's Moten at right, you're going to put it out there. And I think they're I think they're playing with that more and more. And I remember I I think I called it out maybe four or five times a day where I saw Moten on the left side. Yeah, and just did. for fans, for fans who are listening at home, when Moten was on the left at left tackle, Trent Scott was at right tackle. Every time that I saw him at left tackle, it was Trent Scott at right. So just to keep tabs at home, that's what they were doing today when in pads. So I don't know if that's if that would be the combination there or if Brady Christensen starts showing up. I don't know, but that's what I saw today at camp was Taylor Moten left side uh, and Trent Scott at the right. Again, Moten was mostly at right tackle today, but there was a few times where they did bring him in at the left side. Um, and so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. It really yeah, will be. Let me ask you this because I, I don't know. Um where is Brady Christensen right now? What, what, what is he doing? Was he at practice today? He was. He he was in the – from what I saw, he was in the third string group. So he was with – and I could be wrong on this, but I thought he was playing a lot with P.J. Walker. And P.J. Walker, I think, was that third line today. It looked yeah. like yeah, Will so. Greer was in playing playing two, this, to, two today. But from okay. what I saw, I thought – because he's 70 if I'm – if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Brady Christensen, 70. And I thought I saw him a lot with PJ Walker's line. So, but again, he could have been with Will Greer. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but. So, so, so here's an idea. You draft, you draft a tackle in college who played left tackle was one of the best left tackles in the nation. Um, in Brady Christensen. You draft him and you say, well, we think he's more of a right tackle, right guard. It's his arm size, man. They they like the long arms. And we yeah. remember we talked about that. We're like, well, we don't know if this is a big deal or not. But Matt Rule, I, he's every time he's talked about, they've mentioned Brady Christensen, he brings up the arm size. Well, we think, you know, with his arms and we think he's more of a right guard, right tackle. And that's so, fine. If, you, if they view him as that, yeah. I'm cool with that. But Let's put the best line out there. If Moat can play left side and he's good at it, play him there. If he can't, keep him at right, and hopefully Cam Irving stays healthy and he rejuvenates his career just like every other <laughs> every year they think is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and patchwork to, deal. To finish my point, if you think he's more of a right guard or right tackle, put him in the fucking first group with your with your offensive line and let him run. Like I, I didn't know Maybe he was that training he, he might not be grasping. He might not be grasping things well, right now. You know, you know what know. the best, the best way to learn is, is to throw his ass in there and learn by fire because he was drafted in the third round. He was your first mm. offensive lineman you took and he's running with your thirds right now. Is he another Greg Little? That, that's what I'm wondering. Is he another Greg Little? Did, did they make a mistake drafting him? Because, you know, it's it just. Time will tell, man. Time will tell. And, and again, he could. It. He, he could, again, he could have been with the twos today. I didn't see it much, but I am again, it's so, I mean, we're a hundred yards away from the field. It's so freaking hard to pick out some of those guys. Yeah. That's but, another thing that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. We, we drove two and a half hours at five o'clock in the morning and they want to play on the opposite field of where the fans are. That's just disrespectful. <laughs> well, for fans that are going tomorrow, they'll probably get a nice up close look at them because they're going to be it, from what we've heard, it's every other day 
they're flipping fields. So if they were far away today, they're going to be close tomorrow. So if you're going tomorrow and they are far away, don't kill me. Don't kill me on that one. But that's what we've heard from people there. So yeah, I think, man, that left, that left tackle position. I really hope that doesn't bite them this year, but I, it, it really could be. It's, it's been a revolving door. Yeah. And I feel like we're talking gross. about this every episode, but it is the most important position on this team right now. And they need to figure it out and they need to try anything they can. And if that's moting that left tackle, then they need to give it a shot. Any other observations from what you saw at training camp, anything? I, one thing I wanted to mention, because we didn't have, when I went to training camp last week, we already had our episode and we didn't see him much today, but Terrace Marshall, keep your eye out on him. I think he's going to be, he's going to be pretty damn good. If that guy could stay healthy, he, I don't know what it is about him. He kind of reminds me of like a Des Bryant. That's what I think. And then it's not because of the number. I just, that's what he reminds He, when I first saw him, that was the first person that came to my mind. No, it was he, like I a mean, Des Bryant. He's built like him for sure. And yeah, he's, he's um, a, he's a physical freak. And he was playing slot a lot too on Monday, they were saying. So, I mean, this guy can play all the, all, all the positions and X, Y, Z. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him because he, he's a familiar with Joe Brady's offense, which really helps, but that is one guy to watch. And another standout that I, we saw, I saw last week, Thursday was Omar Bayless. I know he's gotten a lot of, chatter online too um and a lot of fans pulling for him but that's another guy to watch this this offseason i mean this training camp uh omar bayless and terrace marshall those are the guys and then shout out i'm sorry if i'm stealing yours but troy pride i i'm not i wasn't a big fan of that guy watching him last year again he was thrown to the wolves in a young defense but he's an awesome dude he's a cool dude getting i mean running a keep pounding chant after practice today, taking pictures close to fans. He was staying socially distanced. I'm not getting him in trouble here. He was staying socially distanced but that. He's a cool dude. He's, yeah. he really is Super really nice down to earth. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he catches you off guard how nice he is. Uh, I mean, he, like Curtis said, he came over and was talking to us. Like we were just part of the team and uh, wanted to get a keep pounding chant going before he left. And then also shout out to JC Horn. He came over, um, was talking with some family, I think, and then um, took p- pictures with fans and was talking to fans. Um, really excited for him this season, and I think he's going to be a, a great addition to this team. Yeah, J.C. Horn, going off of that, he ended up giving his gloves away to someone today, too. I don't know if that was family, too, or if that was just some random fan, but J.C. Yeah, Horn you- does giveaways, folks, so if you're going, <laughs> ask him for his gloves. I mean, I was yeah. kind of annoyed that I didn't do it. I just – it didn't come into my mind. I was just taking pictures and stuff, but yeah, he, he gave those gloves away. So. And Shy Smith, Shy Smith gave away a towel as well to yeah. a, to a fan. So shout out to Shy Smith. Um, I think he's going to make this roster as well and, and play a pretty important position. I think he's going to be returning punts for us next year. Well, this year, sorry. Uh, this upcoming start of the season, he'll be returning punts. So. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, let's get to our draft picks of the week. I'm going to kick things off here. I actually just started drinking this, so I'm slacking. Today I'm drinking 
Highland Brewing out west in Asheville. This is their seasonal Claw Hammer Oktoberfest. I like the name. Really festive bottle. Five point or five percent alcohol, excuse me. Um, it's a, it's a decent beer. I again, I just started. I just literally took a sip, so I have very new to this. This is just off the cuff here with with this um, promo for Asheville's uh, Highland Brewing, but it's a Bavarian inspired Marzan Lager. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, it's they say it's smooth and well rounded with a toasty malt character. It is. It, you definitely get a toasty taste. Look at that toasty taste. That should be trending at some point, hopefully. There you go. Yeah, uh, you're, you're <laughs> off of that. We already went viral once today. We we might go again now. <laughs> but no, this is a this is a decent beer for an Oktoberfest. I'm a big fan. I don't know about you, Bryson. I like Oktoberfest beers. They're a little bit darker. Um, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan as well. But yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty good beer. So if you ever get out to Asheville, North Carolina, go to Highland Brewing. This is the Clawhammer Oktoberfest. Give it a try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to try that myself because, uh, like I said, I'm an Oktoberfest fan as well. So um, might have to holler at your coworker. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm drinking a a hard berry cider this week. Not from North Carolina. Um, it it is from Hawks Brewing. Brew. I'm oh, sorry. I'm so. I sounded so country there. <laughs> Hawks Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. It's called Dead and Buried. Um, nice little pun there. Um, it is a hard berry cider. Uh, it is 12 fluid ounces, six percent alcohol. Has a cool can. Got a sticker on it. Uh, a sticker. A little Dead and Buried sticker. Yes. Like you peel it off? Uh, I, I, yeah, I think you can. Um, yeah, yeah, you can absolutely slap that on your Yeti cooler. Look yeah, at that. I, I might have to. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's very good. I, I like it a lot. Uh, it, it reminds me more of a, a sour beer than a cider, which is a plus for me. I love sours. Uh, I got a whole six pack in there, so I'm definitely going to be killing this soon. Uh, I highly recommend it. I don't know much about this brewing uh, company, brewery place in general. Um, but I'm gonna have to try some more of their beers because I'm very impressed with this actually. So, um, give it a shot. If you guys get a chance, dead and buried from Hawks Brewing. So two good, two good drinks for you guys. We got a Oktoberfest beer and a cider. Go give those a try. And hopefully one of these days we can get someone, uh, partner with us and we can start showing off some of their beers. But again, I just want to give, I don't want to toot our horn too much here, but Again, we had a we've we've been the training camp practices we've been at. We've been shooting video for you guys. We hope you enjoy everything you've seen so far. The one today that Bryson shot went viral. Keith Kirkwood, ESPN, TMZ, Fox News, Adam Schefter—they were all retweeting it. It it made national news. Not it, the whole context of the whole entire situation off Keith Kirkwood's injury just crazy. So. Go check that out on our Twitter page. The videos are up there. I don't know how many more training camps we get to. I'd love to go to every one, but I got to work a full-time job, so that can't happen. But yeah, unfortunately, I'd love to keep producing life. producing the content <laughs> for you guys as much as we can. But, yeah, and go give that a go give that a look. And we just want to thank you again for listening to us here on Panthers on Tap. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday on wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your Panthers analysis and breaking news. I'm going to hopefully be doing a giveaway here soon. So stay tuned for that. And as always, 